Hello out there everyone, good morning, good afternoon and good evening and once again welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Holder where I, your host Greg, will take you on this journey as we recap week 13 for the New York Giants in which they hosted the Chicago Bears with the number one defense in the league and Mr. Khalil Big Mac, a potential defensive player of the year candidate. How's everybody doing out there? Hope everybody's doing good. Surround this December time, shopping time. I haven't even started doing shopping yet. I got my list ready, but it's like, you know what? I said, I don't want to go out on Black Friday, man. Black Friday is one of those days where it's like you get a deal, but then it's like dealing all that nonsense and everything. I don't like going on the weekends where the mall's all big. I just want to get in and get out. I'm not. I'm. I'm too old to be walking around the mall hanging out. I just want to get in. Thank you very much. Boom, boom, and I'm out. Maybe stop somewhere, get something to eat, and then I'm out. I like going during the weekday, the weekday evening. Not too many people. You could get into the stores, shop, and be out. Anyway, let's talk about who's naughty or nice in the Chicago Bears Giants game. I mean, let me just break it down to you real quick. It was 20, it, the Giants had a 10-point lead with 90 seconds to go. And you're thinking, you know what? I can't remember the last time where I actually felt like I could put my feet up and chill. And you know what? You couldn't. Because the Giants squandered a 10-point lead. I had to take this game into overtime. Over, you heard me. 90 seconds to go, up 10 points, and they needed to take this game to overtime to come out victorious 30-27. to 27. You know, it's like you're watching a giant football game, and you always feel like, how come we can never be like some of the other teams where it's like, you know, 27-7, something like that? With the Giants, it's like made-for-TV drama. It's like reality TV. They keep you there to the very last second where it's like, oh, God, good, I can breathe now. I mean, there were a lot, there's a lot of talking points in this game, you know, because for me, um, the Bears, they came into this game with the number one D in the NFL, an all-pro defensive end and linebacker, Khalil Mack, leading the Bears' defense in that pass rush. And to me, what I found optimistic, optimistically good in this game was that I thought that Eli Manning was going to get sacked. I for real thought he was going to get sacked like between five to ten times in this game. Now, this was a game in which the offense didn't show up and play a full game. The first half, they were just inept. I mean, I don't even know if it was more so like the Giants' lack of execution or it was the Chicago Bears' defense because it just felt like one, two, three, off the field, one, two, three, off the field, one, two, three, four, five, six, interception. It just felt like they just couldn't do anything right. But, you know, one thing they were able to do is they were able to prevent those sacks from happening. I mean, in the entire game, they only let up three sacks and one to Khalil Mack. Now, granted, it was on the big time passing now, but still, the Giants wind up having five in the game. That was, uh, to me, that offensive line, it's coming together. It's just the cohesion of the offense as a whole I just see as a problem right now because when they play a full game like they did in, in San Francisco, granted it was a game-winning drive, you see what happens. 
talking about what happened, let's talk about a couple players in this game that really came and made some big plays. And one of them is Aldrich Rosas. We need to start talking about Aldrich Rosas in that he has been a bright spot in this giant season. Although there haven't been a lot of bright spots, he's been a bright spot in this season. I mean, he's made 26 of 27 field goal attempts. And right before the half, the game was 14-7. He kicked a 57-yard field goal to make it 14-10 Bears. Now you're thinking to yourself, what's the big deal about that? They went into the halftime with a little bit of momentum, and then in the second half, the offense started clicking to where it was like one touchdown doesn't tie the game. One touchdown gets the lead. I mean, you got to start talking about Aldrich Rosas now as being not only a kicker, but maybe like a legit weapon. Another player I want to talk about is Mr. Odell Beckham. This past weekend in this game against the Bears, Odell became the first non-QB with multiple touchdown passes in the same season since Antoine Randall L. When he was on the Steelers. Remember him? Now, for me... My only question is, if he's so much of an attention getter, because both times when he's thrown his touchdown passes came out fake reverses, I'm thinking maybe not the same play, but should the Giants utilize this trick play capability that Odell Beckham has? Because he draws so much attention to him and half the defense has their eyes on him. He was able to throw a wide open 40-yard touchdown pass. I don't want to say a wide open Touchdown pass because on that play, the receiver admitted he was supposed to block Khalil Mack. Saw a whole bunch of open grass in the middle of the field and just went for it. And on the reverse, when Odell Beckham was bottled up, he just flicked it down the field. And it was it wound up being a successful play. But I'm thinking, why not implement that more? Just to loosen up the defense and have them think about something else. And what about Mr. Alec Ogletree? I mean, in this game, he had 10 tackles two pass defense, two interceptions, and on the very first play of the game for the Bears, he had a pick six. I mean, look, I know up and down, his season has gone when it comes into one-on-one pass coverage. He is not a coverage linebacker, but he's a solid player. He's a veteran. He's a solid Mike backer, and he's a good leader. I mean, when he blitzes, good things happen. Maybe you put play a little bit more of a zone with him so he doesn't have maybe a player to defend, more so an area so he could keep his eye on the quarterback. I mean, it's his third interception of the season, so he has hands. I mean, look, when he first came here, you could see why the Rams let him go. But he's still productive and he's still a good player. He had a good game. And a, a, and a position... Another position on the offense that had a good game were the tight ends. The tight end. And Evan Ingram didn't even have an opportunity to play in this game because he has a sore hamstring. But, you know, for me, I'm thinking with Pat Shermer, one of the staples with him and his offense is the ability to use 12 personnel. And what I mean by that, I mean one running back and two tight ends. And it's not usually... Uh, in your traditional sense, it's more so he'll do it in shotgun. He'll have both tight ends to one side. But, I mean, you know, Rhett Ellison and Scott Simonson, they combined for six receptions, 67 yards. Rhett Ellison had four for 42 yards. 
Scott Simonson had two for 25 yards. So, I mean, that opens up the middle of the field offensively. So now Saquon Barkley, Odell Beckham, they have a little bit more space to get busy. And another thing that I liked about the two tight end look, I saw a lot of that with Eli under center. And moving forward, I think the Giants seriously need to think about having plays or running the offense more when Eli's under center. Because I think when he does that, good things happen. What I mean by that is when Eli's under center, now you're thinking, all right, where's, where is Saquon Barkley? How can he get the ball in this formation? And then when Eli snaps the ball, it's okay. Is Saquon going to get the ball? Or is this going to be a play action? Or is this going to be a straight-up pass? Whereas when you're in a shotgun, generally or most of the time, it's going to be an inside zone play. And you know where the ball is going. You just have to set the edge, find the back, and get him. But when you're under center, now you're talking about, are we going to zone left, right, up the middle? Is this going to be a counterplay? How are they going to block it? And we're just talking about running. What if they're going to pass? So, I mean, it just feels as though when he's under center, it's like the old school days, man. It's just a lot more productive. I'm still here. I know I shouldn't have any, uh, how should I say, radio silence. But you know. Now let's talk about, uh, we've talked about some key players. But one thing I wanted to talk about is literally what happened towards the end of the game. And the Giants, they had an opportunity to recover onside kick. Now, I don't want to say the Giants. I don't want to say this person's name like I'm outing him. But, you know, Odell Beckham specifically. The way they have it set up is a whole bunch of guys form a wall and they block. And when the ball gets kicked, it has to go 10 yards. And pretty much whoever is designated to catch were in this game, it was Odell. He All he needs to do is catch the ball, fall to the ground, and that's it. Are you going to get hit? Probably, yeah, but it is football. I mean, we're not playing baseball. We're not playing a non-contact sport. You're going to get hit. The ball goes up in the air. It comes down, and Odell sees a big guy in the Bears uniform running at the ball, and he kind of stutter-stepped and made, I don't want to say a business decision because he got paid. I just think he made a health decision in that, do I want to throw my body in there, potentially get hurt? Or do I just want to stutter step right now, swat at the ball, and maybe get out of bounds, maybe knock the ball out of bounds? He chose to do that, miss the ball, the Bears recover the ball. I mean, look, you got your money. You want to be a leader. Being a leader sometimes is you need to show, show by action. And that was an opportunity for Odell to sit there and say, you know, I'm the leader. I'm going to do what it takes to win. Because we're asked in that post game, he did not want people questioning whether or not he had heart. And that should never be questioned with him. But when you watch the video, I'm not saying Odell doesn't have heart. I'm not saying he doesn't play with passion, doesn't play with pride. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying on that specific play it didn't look good. And it could have costed the Giants the game. And if it did cost the Giants the game, believe me, he would have been a huge scapegoat. 
Because after recovering the onside kick, then they go down and score a touchdown. And you know what? I've mentioned this on my buddy uh, Christian's podcast, and Roth. Check me out on that. With my friend uh, Eric from Blue, Big Blue Interactive. With the season that's been so porous, we decided to pretty much create a nice little support group for Giant fans where we just whine about how bad the season's going and try and pick each other up. But one point that I wanted to bring and make up, well, not make up, but bring up, is what I brought up on Amaroff Podcast. Landon Collins. Look, I think he's a good player. I think he's a solid safety. But his coverage skills are lacking. Every week, it feels like the tight end, whomever that player is on whatever team we play has a big day or it's the running back out of the backfield. I mean, when we played Kittles on San Francisco, we made him look like it was Dwight Clark. And it was, I'm not saying Joe Montana was passing, but we made him look like he was a top tight end. He's a good tight end, but we made him look like he was all pro. Landon Collins this season has had too many games where they weren't good games. Where when he initially came into the league, he burst onto the scene and immediately was being crowned one of the best, if not one of the top safeties in the league. I mean, it just feels like whenever the offense on the other team needs a big play, they look for Landon Collins and they get it done. Now, after that onside recovery, there was a third and eight play. And what happens? It's a wheel route. The running back gets isolated on Collins. It's a play where the uh, Bears were on the 40-yard line. It was a 30-yard reception, something like that, and it's around the 10. A couple plays later, touchdown, boom, game is tied. Personally, I think Landon Collins has a lot of pride, a lot of passion, and a lot of leadership qualities. And he was drafted to the Giants, so that means he does have talent, and he's from Alabama. I think in this offseason, the Giants should think about maybe a position change and doing what the Rams did with Mark Barron and on the L.A. Rams and making him a linebacker. Now, you sit there and say, how can he play linebacker when we have Alec Ogletree, we have uh, Martin, Olivier Vernon, you have B.J. Goodson. Look, if at the safety he's going to be an Achilles heel like that, you have to find somewhere where he could be put in a position to make plays because he can make plays, but he's most effective when he's closer to the line of scrimmage. When you get him in space, problems happen. And unfortunately, this being his contract year, in the game he suffered a shoulder injury, which wound up after the, I don't want to say after the game, but today it was reported that he's going to miss the rest of the season with a labrum injury. It's very unfortunate for him because this is a contract year. This is a year where he didn't have probably a breakout star-studded Pro Bowl season that he wanted and to miss the last couple games to at least put good tape out there so the coaches could say, this is why we need to have him on the team. Do the Giants bring him back? Do they franchise him? If it were me, I would say, look, 
I go to the defensive coordinator and I say, we need to find another position for him closer to the line. How can we create packages with him as a linebacker and he can get it, stay on the field and make plays? Because I don't know if I want him back there at the safety position. Because on the third and five, when that tight end does a nice little bowing out, when he fakes in and then he goes out to the sideline, it's always a reception. And like I said, it's unfortunate that he got it, uh, uh, he tore his labrum. But that's just something that management's gonna have to decide. And it's another decision that management's gonna have to make is <sighs> Eli Manning. What do we do? I mean, he had a good game. I don't want to say he had a great game, but he had a good game. He went 19 for 35, 170 yards, a touchdown, and a bad pick. Now, I know the 19 for 35, and he got sacked three times. Okay, maybe he didn't have a good game. Maybe he had an okay game. <laughs> now that I'm looking at it. But the point is, is that, you know, with the, the fact that the Giants now they have four wins. That top pick in the draft that you wanted to potentially look at getting a quarterback, I don't know if that's there, but there's also top talent that you could get if you're a top 10 team where you could get that stud defensive lineman out of Alabama. Or what about an edge rusher? Get Joey Bosa's little brother. There's still other parts of the team that need fixing the offensive line. You need pass rush, secondary, defensive line depth. Those are also positions that could be in the top 10 that are valuable. I don't know if you're going to be able to sit there and say, do you sit there and, and trade up and get the quarterback? Is there a quarterback that you want? I mean, now it's it's more so becoming a reality of if you can't get a starting quarterback via draft, trade, or free agency, Coming into next year, Eli Manning realistically could be the starting quarterback under center. Am I saying I'm unhappy with that? Get him a line and I'll be okay with that. Because Eli Manning cannot be running back in, in the backfield like Russell Wilson. He's a drop back classic quarterback that needs a wall in front of him. If you could get to him the wall, I might be okay with that. All in all, in this performance in the game, there were a lot of ups and downs. You want the win, which makes you feel happy. But then after the game, you start thinking to yourself, oh, man, did we just screw up a draft? But you know what? I think when you think about winning and losing, you can't go into a game thinking about how can we lose this game for the draft pick because what happens is, is that you create a culture of losing and – the players that are on the team, they wonder, am I going to be here next year? And are they going to give their 100% in every game knowing, if I'm not here, why am I going to give 100% knowing that I'm going to be released, cut, or whatever the case may be? And I know it's all about putting good tape out there, but it's the culture that you want to create. You want to cultivate a culture of winning. Where, yes, the Giants only have four wins, but now they feel like, you know what? If we show up, work hard, good things will happen, and we can win. 
And I'd rather have a great locker room and great culture than a team full of stars, but it's like they don't like each other. It's a tough position that the Giants are in. But all we could do is sit back, wait, and watch and see what they're going to do. Next week, the Giants take on the Washington Redskins. That's going to be an interesting game because both their starting guards season edge injuries. And then in this past weekend, the backup guards, yes, the backup guards season ending injury. And they lose their backup quarterback, Colt McCoy, to a fractured fibula. And now they're down to their third string guards, third string quarterback, which is who else? I can't make it up. Yes, Mark Sanchez, former Jets quarterback, will be playing the New York Giants on Sunday. I give the Giants a shot in that game. Why? Because with Mark Sanchez, A, he hasn't played in a long time. This will be his first full start. And even when he was a starter, there were a couple balls that he would put up where it was like, look, was that for me or the defense? All in all, I hope that the Giants can come out, offense shows up, and it's a good effort. As I do with every episode, I like to end with a positive quote. And in today's episode, the positive quote will be this. You don't have to disrespect and insult others simply to hold your own ground. If you do, that simply shows how shaky your own position is. You don't have to disrespect and insult others simply to hold your own ground. Because if you do, that simply shows how shaky your own position is. Thank you for listening, as you always do. And bye-bye, everybody.